What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have a good friend of mine, Taylor Valentine. Taylor is currently an assistant coach at Center College in Kentucky. Uh, he's coached at uh, now the Division Three level. He's coached NAIA. He's coached Division One college baseball. And he also coaches uh, for USA Baseball as well. So he's got a, a ton of experience and in, in not even that many years. Of, of coaching. And so in this episode, we talk about some of the, the similarities and differences between the various levels, uh, what he's doing with his players from a, a development standpoint at center college, you know, what he's looking for in recruiting, what he's looking for recruits. And, you know, lastly, we, we talk about USA baseball and, and just kind of, you know, how they run things at USA baseball and you know some of the things that he's looking forward to doing there in the future too so enjoyed uh, talking with with Taylor he's a great guy and um, always appreciate catching up with him um, if you enjoy the podcast if you find value at all in this podcast all I ask is you just share it with somebody share the episode share the show with somebody I want to try to get this thing out to as many people as possible to so we can help grow the game so we can help more parents and coaches and players across the country and quite frankly world too I mean we're now in over 20 countries we have listeners in over 20 countries so please share the show if you enjoy it if you find value in it and uh, we'll see everybody next week so hope you enjoy this one with Taylor Valentine. All right, we now welcome on Taylor Valentine to the podcast. Taylor, thanks for coming on the show today, man. Thanks, Pat, for having me. So you've now coached at uh, Division One, uh, NAIA, and now Division Three. What would you say the the biggest difference is in terms of the type of player that you're recruiting? Yeah, so I mean, starting out at the at an NAIA school at Asbury University. Um, Obviously, you're we're always I'm always looking for a guy that I think is a little bit better than the program that we had there. Obviously, you want to try to find the guy that has the five tools. Um, but typically at, at that level, it's going to be a guy that probably has three. Um, and then when I left there and had the chance to go to University of Illinois, Chicago, um, which was Division One in the Horizon League, they're not going to the Missouri Valley Conference um now you're looking for that sec guy that you can get to come to a mid-major school um he might not have the power tool but he's got the run throw and the hit tool um and then making the transition to um center college in state division three is i'm still looking for that division one guy maybe he's a little bit undersized that a mid-major is going to pass on um but obviously we want the guy that's got some power can he hit can he throw um, can you make some adjustments? Um, obviously, it's going to be some physicality that you're going to miss compared to the mid-major Division One or the Power Five Division One schools. So you would say the uh, the power tool is usually the one that that separates players more than anything else. I think so. Um, and, I, and to be honest, like I, I think sometimes you know, obviously that if you got the hit tool. You got the hit tool, but you might miss a little bit on the power side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think the biggest difference from the three levels that I've been at is definitely the, from the power standpoint. Okay. What would you say that your guys' philosophy is on the transfer portal? Yeah, so 
we've kind of tried to hit that market a little bit. Um, you know, obviously it, it, it's going to take somebody special that wants to come to school here for us at center. Um, we're typically built for that four-year guy that wants to start here and hopefully wants to finish here. Um, obviously it's blown up. Um, I mean, there's 3000 something student athletes in there right now, obviously would we like to try to get somebody out of that portal, hopefully one day, 100%. Yes. Um, and we, and we thought we were going to have some success this summer. Um, you know, with a couple of guys we were in touch with and they just found a better option that suited them. Number one, baseball wise. And then obviously number two, financially. So most of the guys who are in the transfer portal, would, are they Division One players just looking to transfer to another Division One school? Or do you also find a lot of D2 and D3 kids in there too? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I would say the majority is the Division One guys. Um, if I had to take a guess, I think guys that are in that Division One that are now in the portal are probably looking for somewhere where they can go play, where yeah. they've either had to sit for – a couple of years they're tired they probably know like hey i'm not going to have a chance here so can i go to a division two a division three school and get on the field and finish out my last couple of years of play so is it something that you you're checking on constantly or reaching out to guys constantly who maybe you see a guy in the transfer portal who's a division one player and you see that he didn't get to play very much and you're like let me reach out to that guy because we, we may be able to get him yeah, I mean, I mean, this past summer was a good, exa uh, good example because there were some guys that we had initially recruited um, that said, hey, we're going to go to a, you know, a, a Division One school. And I've obviously tried to check in to see, all right, is he number one? Is he playing? Is he getting any innings? If not, OK, now he's in the portal. So there's got to be a reason why he's in there. And majority of the time, it's not because he's he's because he's not playing on the field at the mm. school that he's currently at. Um, so, yeah, so we'll check in. I do check that periodically. Um, but now that we're ready to get going into fall ball here, it's probably going to slow down that I'll check into that portal. What's your time frame like for recruiting high school players? Uh, you know, how early do you start that process? Um, yeah, so right now is, is that 23 class is, is our is our main focus. Um, but we are taking notes on guys in the 24 class. Um, just because we want to be able to set ourselves up for success for what the projectability looks like for the guys that are coming in. So like this 2022 class was 16 guys. Um, it's been our largest recruiting class since 2017. Um, and we have a handful of offers out for the 23 guys already. How many players are you looking to bring in per class? It's going to vary every year. Um, so like this, this season or this recruiting class was 16, like I said. Um, and the biggest thing there was we needed to add depth. That was the biggest thing. We need to add depth. We need to create competition. Um, it just basically a game-like mentality throughout hopefully this fall. Um, this recruiting class in 2023 will probably be about eight to 10 guys. Um, 24 will probably be pretty close to that as well. Okay. Taylor, would you mind sharing, I know we talked a little bit uh, before we started recording about different, you know, ranges for pitchers velocity that you're looking for, then, and maybe just, you know, some time on position players. I think it just, it's really beneficial to have uh, players and, and parents and even other coaches, travel coaches, listen to, to someone like yourself, who's a college coach and kind of give some objective information while having some nuance with that too. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think numbers don't lie. Um, you know, you know, it, it, for, for us and, you know, being in college baseball for five years now, it, it gives us a good idea of what type of tools this player has from the exit velocity to the pitching velocity, um, you know, to the throwing velocity from the outfield to the infield. It really just gives us an idea of like, okay, yeah, you know what, he's got some tools. And then now it's an opportunity for us to get on video and watch him through video. And sometimes that video doesn't always translate. Like we could have a guy that's got a 95 exit below and it just doesn't translate to gameplay. And you're trying to figure out the back of your mind, like why does this not translate over to the game when I'm seeing this number pop up? Um, and then there's sometimes where it does translate and we're like, all right, well, yep. He's got some pop in the bat. Um, I know he can drive it to all types of fields. Um, and then you get to the pitching side of it and you see a guy that's 83, 86. And you're like, man, he's, he's got some life on the fastball, which would work for us here. Um, and you go watch him in a game and it's, he's throwing it all over the place. The command is a big issue. Um, so really from us, from the, from the pitching side of it is obviously, you know, location is going to win us games. Um, and then can you bring more than just a fastball to the party? Um, you know, the majority of our guys here at center are, are probably between 83 and 85. Uh, we might run into a guy that's going to probably bump it this fall, probably up to 89, 90, hopefully. Um, you know, the majority of our exit velos here are 85 plus. Um, you know, we don't, we don't really have a guy below that. Um, and if we do, doesn't mean he's a bad hitter. No, it doesn't. Um, in, in, in today's world, that's what everybody's worrying about now. Can I throw hard and can I hit hard? Well, number one, can we control the bat in a game situation? And number two, if we're going to throw hard, can we locate pitches for strikes? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, there's a, I mean, there's kids, I think even at, at all levels, even in professional baseball who I've seen, I mean, be up to 110, 115 exit velo. And I had, I saw a player last year I was with the Orioles. He hit 118 in a game. It was a ground ball, 118 in the game. And he, he'll never play in the big leagues because he's just, he's not a good enough hitter. And so it's kind of what you're talking about right here, where it's, Hey, you may at, you know, center, you may have a kid who's maybe a little bit less even than 85, but he can control the strike zone, right? He knows how to hit with two strikes. He doesn't, you know, expand the zone like crazy and he gets on base and he could be one of your best hitters, even though his, his exit field isn't necessarily the highest. Right. From a, a pitching standpoint, you, you know, you talked about having that range, you know, at least usually 83 miles an hour um, from a, 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 an off-speed does it matter if it's a, a curveball? Do you also want them to have a changeup, or is it just one or the other? Um, kind of varies by by guys. I I mean, I I think from you know obviously besides bringing the fastball to the party, what does the secondary pitch look like? You know, is it a does it have the true curveball shape? Does it have more of a slider shape? Um, you know, for us, it doesn't it doesn't really matter if he's going to throw a curveball, slider, or change up, you know, knuckleball or, or whatever. <laughs> can, uh, can we just bring more than one pitch to the party? Um, you, you know, and our our biggest thing here is obviously off speed is is gotten big now. Um, you don't you see a lot of guys that are tending away to get rid of the fastball, and they're starting to pitch a lot of guys backwards now. 
Um, so if we can start off a guy with a breaking ball for a strike, now we're in his head and now he doesn't really know what's coming. Um, but from, are we specific on what they throw? Not really. So since a lot of guys are pitching backwards now and, and, you know, you're in charge of the, the hitters, how do you help them get ready for that from a development standpoint? Yeah, our biggest thing is be on time with the fastball. Let's do damage with the fastball. You know, if they throw a first pitch breaking ball, okay, maybe we take it. Um, but we know a fastball is going to get thrown in somewhere in that count, and that's the biggest thing is can we be on time and can we do damage with the fastball? So you're okay with them swinging at the at the breaking ball first pitch because I know some coaches don't like that. Yeah, I mean, if they if they like it and, it, and it's in their zone and that and that's what they're hunting for on the first pitch, then sure, let's go. Like the more that we can be aggressive early in the count and hopefully put us in a better um, advantage, I would, I would like that from our, from a hitting perspective, coaching our guys is if we can get out early and get on, then let's go. So you don't necessarily, I guess your, your coaching philosophy is more so just be aggressive. Is that your guys' hitting philosophy or is it even more in depth than, than that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's being aggressive. And then can we do damage with the fastball? Um, you know, when I say be aggressive, I, I want us to be somewhat selective. Like I don't want us to be obviously out of control and we're swinging at pitches that obviously aren't in our zone. Um, but we, what we tell our guys is, hey, key in on your zone. Like where is it? Is it middle in? Is it middle away? Uh, we kind of break it down in a nine box format. So we go like if you're a right-handed hitter, it's a one is at the very bottom of the zone. Two is in the bottom middle three is in, then you kind of work your way up, four is away, five is middle, six, and so on and so forth. And we we tell our guys, and that's how we do it through batting practice sometimes. Like, what are you looking for? I'm looking something for a four or five. All right, so I know that our hitter is looking for a fastball in the four or five hitting zone that he's going to take. If I throw something six or three or nine that's in, hopefully he's going to take that pitch. Yeah, I know. I, I love that. And it also it just helps the, the swing decisions, helping them learn the zone even more, which, as we both know, is is such a big part of, of hitting is not swinging at at crap. How do you help them understand what part of the zone that, that they're really good at? Because I I noticed for some players, they don't really know, like, you know what I mean? Exactly like where they do the most damage. Do you are you able to use any type of data or is it just you kind of just being able to guide them and just based off of what you see. Yeah, it, it goes into the, it goes back to the data, like what we were talking about earlier. Uh, we have rep soda uh, that we use here. Uh, we just got TrackMan put on the stadium. Um, so oh, you guys have TrackMan. We do. Yeah. I just oh, got, sweet. just got built. To, it just got on added to our stadium. So we've used it a little bit this, uh, you know, through our guys, seeing them through mach machine pitch scrimmage so far um, through the fall. Uh, but really, it's on those. It has those adhesive heat maps on the hitting chart, and and I was working with the uh, young hitter yesterday, and it was probably middle shin, and he hit this ball smoked up the middle of the field, and I'm like, so what does that what does that tell you? So you got something down in the zone that you really liked. We were aggressive. It was a fastball, and we hit it to the middle of the field. And then, so then I changed it. And then I threw something up about the letters and it was a underneath swing to the top of the cage. I'm like, all right. So now we have two different results. We have a result that's at the bottom of the zone and we have a result that's at the top of the zone. Which one can you handle better? 
And obviously he said the one at the bottom of the zone. And I'm like, okay, so now what does that tell you when we get ready to go for Saturday in squad? What do you need to hunt for? Something in the bottom of the zone. Mm-hmm. And we, I watched him play yesterday machine pitch scrimmage and he got something about the bottom of the zone and bam, there it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the, you know, the, the exit below gives us a, a good range on what balls are hit hard. But, you know, the, the big thing too is, you know, I keep an eye on that launch angle. Like, can we stay between 15 to 20 degrees? And I know if we're in that 15 to 20 degree range, I know that we're going to have success, even if it's 1220. Um, right. I know that we're going to have success in their range. Um, now, if we get above the 25 mark, um, majority of times it's, it's going to be a pop fly um, or, or our results not going to be as what we want it to be. Yeah. I mean, I think you would need to be probably hundred mile an hour plus exit velocity. <laughs> yeah. To, do, do the players understand those angles? I, I think so because um, I, I, it helps out our young hitters, especially because in our indoor facility, the we have a TV that's literally set up right behind our hitters. So what they can do is they can come in and hit. Okay, now I can turn around and look at what the TV screen says. Okay, that ball was 90. Exavilo was 90. It was at 14 degrees. Balls hit to right center field. Okay, so that's obviously my goal. All right, so maybe the next pitch that I get – is boom now it's 30 degrees the ex the exit velo was 85 and the ball went 280 feet so now they can turn around and like okay so that 30 mark i know is probably not a good range for me to be in so what do i need to do to be able to drop that down and it's kind of crazy because that's how they kind of build their swings mm-hmm. like can we stay between the 12 to 20 degree 22 degree mark majority of the time we're going to have a lot of success if we stay in that range yeah, yeah, it's that's one of the, the great things about the that technology is that instant feedback and it just helps the the learning curve for these players, it helps speeds it up, helps develop them at, at such a faster rate because of that. Do you guys use you said you use rap soda when you guys go inside? Inside we do, yes. We use rap soda. And and I think with this day and generation, that's what they want. They want the automatic, they want the answer right then and there. They want the feedback right then and there. And it's just like, you know, we're going through academic meetings right now, and our guys are like, hey. I want to know what I got on that test. And that's just how this generation is built. They want the answer now. And they, if they can get it now, they want it. That's awesome. What does uh, what does game planning look like for you guys during the season when you're facing other teams and, you know, you're, you're, you, ha- you start to accumulate some more information as the season goes on about some of the pitchers that you're going to be facing? Uh, how in-depth does it get? Do you guys have hitters meetings or does it, is it pretty generic? Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's full tilt, just like we, just like at a Division One program. Um, you, you know, our head coach Drew Breezy and myself will work on putting on scouting scouting reports together. Uh, we'll combine a you know pitching stuff, what we can gather from other teams. You know, what other teams have TrackMan on their stadium that we can gather their TrackMan data from. Um, we try to give our guys as much information as we can. Um, you know, it's kind of like we think as it's just like taking a test. The more that we can put provide on the study guide, hopefully the answers for the exam are going to be good. Um, but we also don't want to go overload on that information either because we don't want the guys to overthink. Um, so there's a lot of times where, you know, if we're playing Saturday, Sunday, we'll, we'll have a team meeting on Friday and we'll split up into pitcher hitter meetings and we'll kind of go over the philosophy of, hey, listen, we're going to see two righties on Saturday. We're going to see a crafty lefty on Sunday. 
here's what our attack plan needs to be for Saturday. Here's what our attack plan needs to be for Sunday. Um, just to giving them some insight. And then a lot of times too, it's, is can we pick up some tendencies, you know, is, is, is it fastball breaking ball change up? Is it backwards? Is it not? And to be honest, like we rely on our hitters to go back in the dugout and provide that information to the guys that are also in the game and also to the guys that are on the bench, because somewhere the guy on the bench is going to have an opportunity to come in to, for a pinch hit or whatever. And the more information that our players can provide back for our, for our guys, the better off that we're going to be. And they also give information to our coach breezy too in the dugout. And it allows him to help provide those guys some information in the dugout as they're walking to the on-deck circle. So are you coaching third base during the game? I am coaching third base, yes. How do you like how do you like coaching third base? Uh, it's been awesome since I've gone here. Um, you know, it, it, when I was at Asbury, I coached first base. Um, there was a times where I coached, coached a couple games at third. I coached first base when I was all at UIC. And then when I got hired here, that was one of Coach Breezy's biggest thing. Is like, hey, we're going to slide you over to third and let you kind of do it. Um, but it's been really fun. But it makes my it makes my um, vision and perspective on the game a lot different because it's there's times where I need to be aggressive and there's times where I need to slow down. Um, but also, too, there's a lot more emotion over there, too, because you're ultimately the decision maker. And when something goes wrong, that's where everybody's eyes go to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it's, so it's really helped me mature as a, as a young coach um, to like, hey, listen, like you're going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. How can we keep our attention to detail, focus on our guys to make sure that the positive energy stays fluent? Taylor, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing that you know now having coached third base for, you know, several years, what would you tell yourself like the first game that you ever coached third base? It's crazy because like I, I still get butter. I still get butterflies when we stand there for the national anthem. And I know that we start on defense at home and I get the run out there in the bottom of the first, but I still get butterflies. Um, but I, I think a lot of that is just my competitive nature. Um, I, if I would go back, um, just be patient. It's, it's not about you. It's about the team. It's how can we put these guys in a successful position to hopefully win. Is it hard to be the hitting coach and coach third base? Because I, I mean, I never really coached third base much, and I, I assume it'd be tough to, to really follow along how each guy's doing and everything, and while also worry about everything once guys are on base. Is that tough yeah. or no? Um, I mean, not really. Coach Breeze no. and I do do a really good job of bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, I mean, obviously, our our philosophy is is going to be the same because that's what we want the mojo to be through our entire team. Um, you know, the only thing different is he might say it in a little bit of a different content than what I say, and it might click with some of those guys right away. And I might say it in a little different content where it clicks with some guys. And at the end of the day, if they decide to go hit with him or they decide to come hit with me, it doesn't hurt our feelings because we're ultimately working towards the same goal. Um, but he also sees some things from the dugout where I don't see a third base and there's a vice versa where I see some things from third base where he might not pick up in the dugout. Um, so not really. I mean, we, we have a really good relationship. Um, so it doesn't really put a lot of pressure on me. It just, it allows uh, coach Breezy and myself to have really good dialogue throughout the game. What about, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about uh, playing time in the sense of, 
how do how how did you guys go about communicating with the players on where they stand throughout the season? And I guess maybe to to add a little bit more there, because I mean we've we've all felt this where if like man, if I don't get a hit today, <laughs> then tomorrow I may not be playing. And then you go and you walk up in the dugout and you go and you see the lineup card and you're like, am I on there? Like, damn, I'm not on there, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you what I mean, have you thought about that? Like what, take me through your your guys's approach on that yeah um you know we'll start the fall the fall is a clean slate for all of our guys coming coming back no matter if you're started in center field for us for three years and you hit 340 you're an all-conference guy and the fall is a clean slate like we give every single guy an opportunity to win a job in the spring and even when we get to that spring it might change um so you know, during the fall, it's crucial because we think that is a time for guys to win jobs. And if you want to win a job, you have to show up every single day and work. And everybody thinks, you know, some depending on the levels of college baseball, everybody thinks that it's different. And, and really, to be honest with you, no matter where you go in the college level, it's definitely a step up from what the high school level is. Um so the fall is crucial. And then what we do is we go into fall exit meetings and we basically give our guys a good idea of like, hey, listen, we're we're penciling in you in here, but there's also an eraser on the end of this pencil. So then when we report back for center term, our guys have a good idea of where they stand, but there's also some guys that said they might be the number two shortstop. Like he went home for Christmas break and flat out worked. And the guy that we said that was going to be the starting shortstop didn't really do anything. And now we got a little vice versa and we got some competition there. Um, and then in the spring, um, you know, all of our coaches, we have an open door. So if, if our guys want to come in and say, hey, listen, I started for two weeks. I haven't seen the field for a week. We encourage them to come to our office. Hey, we'll, we'll let you know. Right. And, and I think that's the best kind of policy to have. And there will be guys, too, where just like you said, they look at the lineup and they're like, oh, crap, I'm not on it. And they'll come over and say, hey, Coach Taylor, why am I not on the lineup today? Or, hey, Coach Breezy, what changed today? And our job is to give them honest feedback. That's the best policy that we can give them. We don't want to try to blow smoke to our guys. Um, and it might be like, dude, listen, like, you haven't put a ball in play in two weeks, so we need to give somebody else an opportunity. <laughs> we need to give somebody else an opportunity. Or, hey, listen, you've been playing for two weeks, and we just need to give you a day off today. Like we need to get rid. We'll give you the midweek off when we need to reset you and get you ready to go for the weekend. Um, so there's times where those ha where that happens too. Um, and I know it's frustrating for guys. Um, at at the end of the day, I, I know guys want to be in there for however many games we play, 55 games season, and I know they want to see their name on the lineup card. But there's guys in the big leagues that don't play every single day. There's an off day that's built in there for those guys one from a mental standpoint and two just from a flat-out physical standpoint yeah that mental mental off day definitely can can really help a lot of guys when they're scuffling or or even just a, a day off just to kind of reset everything and then recharge the batteries a little bit what about pinch hitting what's your what are your thoughts on pinch hitting one of the hardest things to do in sports do you guys do that a lot or is it you know be because you know it's so hard to do you just kind of let it ride with whoever's already in the game I think it dictates how the game's going um you, you know we you know coach Breeze and I you know as the game's going along here like 
hey, listen, if we go up two or, hey, listen, if they go up two, who are some guys that we might think that we want to hit? And, you know, then we get to the standpoint like, all right, we're still down one. Now I come back in the dugout. It's like, hey, I want to hit for him or I want to hit for him. And I just basically walk by the dugout and just tap those guys on the hip and say, hey, listen, go swing a bat. If we get into this situation, there's going to be an opportunity for you're probably going to go in the game here. And we try to not really that you can predict it, but at least if we do get to that situation, we want those guys to be prepared. Like, hey, listen, bomb the seventh, there's an opportunity where you're going to go hit here. I would rather have those guys be prepared than, all right, now we go first and second. It's like, oh, crap, now we're going to pitch hit. Like, hey, you're off the bench. And my man hasn't even – he's like – been sitting here for six innings yeah. uh, so we try to give them a little bit of a heads up the best that we can um you know and then when there's times when we're on defense i like will walk through the dugout and say hey man go move around a little bit stretch out swing it back we don't know what's going to happen here it could be a pinch hit or we could do a defensive substitution where you're going to go to right field um and our guys know that too then there's some guys too that know that that's their going to be their job and sometimes you got to remind them a little bit like hey this job is really tough um but we're still going to try to help you in the long run to prepare you for when you do get that opportunity do you do you give uh, the guys who are pinch hitting any specific advice um Sometimes if I have the chance to do it, but really it's, it's, if the pinch hit opportunity is going to come, it's going to come from coach Breezy in the dugout because I'm the one that's on the field coach at third base. And he does a really good job of kind of helping them manage like, Hey, listen, this is what he's kind of pitched. Hey, this is your responsibility. Can we, is there an opportunity where we could go first and move the guy from first and get him to third? And now we put ourselves in a really good position. Um, so I think he does a really good job of number one, managing the game from that standpoint. But also, too, like letting those guys know, like, hey, we're putting you in this position because we got confidence in you. And I think if they hear it from him, mm -hmm. the trust level is going to be like, all right, man, my head coach has got a lot of confidence in me coming in here to pinch hit where they might take it like, all right, Coach Valentine's going to pinch hit me here. It's just a little bit different. And I think the confidence level hearing it from the head coach is, is going to be a little bit higher than what it is going to be from the assistant coach. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And man, just pinch it. I just remember those days are so tough. And especially, as you said, if you have no, uh, you're not, you know, nobody's giving you a heads up to warm up or anything like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you drive that real quick. And now you're all nervous and you finally get up there and you can barely swing because you're, you know, you're all tight, but um, all good learning experiences for sure. And, uh, you know, definitely something that, I mean, I, I wish I had the opportunity to still even pinch it and, and play a little bit. So in the summertime, what are your guys normally doing? It, it seems like there's been a change in in summer collegiate baseball in the last couple of years. Maybe part of that is just because of pitchers resting a little bit, or I, I don't exactly know because I'm not really in the summer collegiate baseball space too heavy. But uh, is that the case? And And do your guys all go play somewhere? Yeah, so really we give our guys three options. Um, number one, do you want to go play during the summer? And the summer circuit for the college guys has gotten so far ahead now where it's like I've already gotten emails. Like September, October, November, we will get blown up by summer leagues. Like, hey, listen, who are you guys that have interest? Who do you want to play? Um, 
And sometimes that decision for me to send a guy somewhere is, is a little bit tough because I, number one, I have to be realistic with my, with our guys here. Number two, I have to give that summer coach on be honest with him because the last thing that I want to do is send him a guy that's going to be our number three third baseman and say, hey, man, listen, like he's a really good player, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets there and he's like, holy crap, like, yeah, he's the number three third baseman. Um, so in reality, like I got to be transparent with those coaches and I got to be transparent with our guys. Um, so I ask our guys when they get to campus in September, who wants to play? So then I make a, I make a document. Okay. I got 15 guys that want to play. So I make a key note, but I ask, I also ask those guys, where do you want to go? Where do you want to play? Do you want to go to the Northwoods league? Do you want to go play in the Appy league? Um, you know, do you want to go play in the Sunbelt League down in Georgia? Do you want to go play in Florida? Do you want to go out west? Like, what are your, what do you guys want to do? Um, so I kind of leave it in their hands. And then I try to find a league that's going to benefit them the best if they do want to play. Number two is our guys get a job or they do an internship during the summer. Um, you know, that's when they get a degree here, it's super high. Um, compared to a lot of colleges and a lot of universities. Um, so if our guys want to do an internship or go work and make some money, we don't ever stop them from that. And the, and the last thing is, is, hey, man, listen, you got 250 at-bats this spring and you played over 100-something innings, go put the bat down, go put the glove down, go on vacation, go grab a fishing pole, um, <laughs> go do whatever. But, but you need to let your body rest for these next two months and then kind of pick it back up towards the back end of the summer to get prepared for the fall. Mm. Man, it's, it's interesting how much it it's changed just because I remember when I was uh, back playing, it was, it wasn't really an option. Like it was just like, this is what, this is what you're doing. You know what I mean? This is where you're going. I don't feel like that for you too, but right. uh, it was, so I guess it's just, it's just different, just different time, not necessarily better or worse, but just a little bit different time. Are, are, would you say that most of the players want to go play? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I probably got a handful of about 18 guys right now that have that have an idea that they want to go play. Um, but also, too, is we get through the middle of our spring season and I got a young guy that hasn't really gotten that much playing time. I might pull him into the office and say, hey, man, we need to think about going playing some summer baseball, man. And the number one thing is, is can we get you some more at bats? Can we get you some more in-game experience? And number two is, can we get you to be better prepared for what it's going to look like when you come back in the fall? Um, mm. So those conversations do happen too. Um, and then you might get some guys on the flip side where like, hey, I want to play summer baseball and they get a lot of innings. And I basically um, tell them and Coach Breeze, our head coach, will say, hey, man, let's just shut it down. Um, you know, we've gotten this many innings. We know you want to go play, but let's let the body recover and rest a little bit. So what are, what are you normally doing in the summertime? Are you out recruiting? What, what's your schedule like? <laughs> yeah, so uh, this summer w was crazy. Um, and I think our whole coaching staff would say that. Um, so about the middle of the spring, uh, our head coach, Drew Brees, he got announced as the USA 15U manager for USA Baseball. Um, so we knew that he was going to be gone majority of the summer. Um you know, he had one mission, and that was to bring home a gold medal, which he did, which we are super excited for him. Um, I mean, I watched every single game that he played in, shot him texts, uh, you know, texted him. His wife and family ended up going down to watch him win it, and just so happy for them. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it put some pressure on myself and Coach Gaines, our pitching coach, um, to figure out, hey, how are we going to do this? What class, What do we need that's going to help us in this class? And 
a lot of times those um, summer schedules come out about the middle of spring. So that's when we're starting to prepare for, hey, where are we going? Um, what are we going to do? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time in Ohio, uh, a lot of time in the Nashville area, a lot of time in Atlanta. I uh, had the opportunity to go out to the West Coast this summer a little bit um, in California, uh, went out to the East Coast. Um, yeah, it was a busy a busy summer recruiting. Um, and then in August, uh, I did some stuff with USA Baseball um, for their NTIS, which is the National Team Identification Series. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a busy summer. I know my wife missed me, missed having me at home a lot of times, uh, but she understands that she's such a great support of what it takes to uh, obviously marry into somebody that has a passion for what they do every single day. What's it like being a part of, of USA Baseball? It's super humbling. Um, so I, I first got the opportunity in 2017. Um, got a, an email from um, Ann Claire Roberts, who oversees a lot of the hiring staff. Um, so I've been a part of the task force, which is scouting players um, during that tournament and basically selecting the best 12 guys to either go on and represent a national team or to go on and be a part of the national player development. Um, so Last year, I was a part of the 14U task force, which basically the coaching staff that was a part of that selected guys to be a part of the 15U trials. So knowing that our head coach was the 15U head coach this year, him and I had a lot of good dialogue too, because there was 12 guys on that roster where he didn't really have that much information about. And, you know, the times that he was here during the summer, we were bouncing things off of each other. Um, and then, this past summer, I was a part of the 16U Midwest. Um, I was one of the 16U head coaches. Um, so it's, it's split up into six regions. Um, there's six age groups. And it's a really great opportunity for young players to be a part of because there are college coaches, Division One schools, all over that facility in Cary, North Carolina, just recruiting. And to be honest with you, it's a good networking process for me as well because now – I, you know, I had the chance to talk to Julius Douglas at um, Georgetown, um, got to talk to Coach Rogers at Louisville, um, you know, and build some relationship with those guys as I continue to grow through my coaching career. But obviously, they want information about the guys on my team. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really great experience um, to, to go there. And just like I have goosebumps on opening day. I have goosebumps when I walk through that thing and I've been doing it since my, you know, the first back in 2017 and it's 2022 and I'm still getting goosebumps every time I walk through there. Um, and just the people that are down there um, and Claire does a really good job of running that. Ben Kelly does a phenomenal job. Um, they take care of the coaching staff. They take care of the task force. It is a truly number one organization. Well, first of all, that's awesome, man. And I uh, applaud you for doing that. And I, I, you know, thank you for doing that too. And definitely representing uh, USA baseball, which is, you know, incredible honor. What, what is uh, the plans for you? Like, do they just going forward, do they tell you like where would they would want you to be for the following year? Like, how does that work? Um, yeah, sometimes they do. Um, so when I, when I left the complex uh, this past summer, you know, and Claire asked me, she was like, Hey, what do you, what do you want to do for next summer? Um, and, and basically I'm open to doing whatever, if they want me to go to North Carolina champs, or do they want me to go to Arizona champs? Um, do they want me to be a part of a trials team? Do they want me to be a part of a national team? Do they want me to come back 
and be a part of the task force for NCIS, um, I tell her I'll do whatever. Um, as long as I can continue to be a part of that great organization, to wherever my responsibility is going to be, I'll do it. Um, now, obviously, I like to try to keep climbing the ranks, um, you know, and, and keep going up and be a part of a national team coach. But time will tell when that will happen. And uh, I think as long as I stay connected in that organization, it'll happen one day. Yeah, I'm sure it definitely will, too. Uh, Taylor, this has been a ton of fun, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you, you want to say to, to those uh, listening or, or watching this? Um, the floor is, is yours. Oh, yeah, Pat, it was good connecting with you again. Um, you know, as, as young players and, and coaches listen, just trust your process and continue to work on your craft every single day because uh, you're not only competing with the guys in your state, you're competing with guys all around the world. Um, and I think that's the biggest kind of undertake that a lot of players don't understand is like, we don't just recruit guys in Kentucky just because we're a school in Kentucky. Uh, we know we'll go after the guys on the West coast. We got a guy from Texas on our roster. We got guys from Florida, Ohio, Indiana, um, kind of all across the board. So, um, and also just find the right school that fits, fits for you. Um, you know, I get asked all the time, do you, do you miss coaching at the division one level? Yeah, I, I do. I, I miss the perks of getting on a flight and going to Texas A&M and going to Vandy, you know, and getting all the sweet, cool gear. Um, but at the end of the, but at the end of the day, it's the relationships and the player development that is super important to me. Um, you know, when coach breezy gave me the opportunity to come back to Kentucky and coach at a prestigious school like center, um, I was super blessed for the opportunity. Um, and I think guys have to find the right fit. You have to go somewhere where you can play, right? We were talking about the portal earlier. Do you want to be involved in that mess or do you not want to be involved in that mess? And I guarantee you, and I tell prospective students all the time, no matter what school you go to, your parents are going to put on a t-shirt and they are going to be super proud of you. If it's University of Cincinnati, Xavier, Arizona State, Michigan, or a center college t-shirt, they're going to be happy no matter where you go. And at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with the decision that you make. Love it. Taylor, appreciate it, brother. Pat, thanks so much, man. Hopefully I'll see you soon.